This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Guys, just before we get started, if you're loving the podcast, can you please go leave us a five-star review on Spotify and please make sure that you subscribe on whatever channel that you listen to us on. It helps us out dramatically. What's your kind of thoughts on on the advertising front from a TikTok perspective? We're in like the goldmine. We're pretty much where YouTube ads, where Google ads were when they first started. And everyone that was too late to the boat was like, fuck, I just missed it. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that you're too late. Even if the agency's working with some of the biggest companies in Australia, aren't doing it, you're early. Guys, welcome back. We are back for another internal episode. So I want to explain what that means just quickly for those. It's something that we know that probably the the people at home don't. But um, it's probably something we're going to do a little bit more of maybe, potentially. You know, maybe one a month or something like that. But the last time we did it, the episode was called Must Have Marketing Strategies for 2022. So it was the start of the year. Um, you know, we kind of weren't quite sure what would happen. TikTok was newish, you know, obviously been around for a while, but it, I feel like it has grown a lot since then, you know, and matured. So um, we kind of covered off what we thought the five, um, I guess, kind of core pillars or trends or or what we thought were, were gonna, was going to happen in 2022. Um, and so we, we thought we would come back and we would actually review this. Um, so I'm sitting here with Olivia. Hello. <laughs> Second, you know, uh, getting getting used to the mic a little bit more or, or not, not so much? I've just been told I have to sit a fist away from it. So I'm being <laughs> Don, really cautious Donnie, and moving in. Donnie's, don't, go a little bit closer actually. You reckon? No, 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 move the mic to you. Oh. Yeah, yeah, bring the bike to you. A bit more, a bit more. Did you say bring the bike to me? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, we thought we would review the must-have marketing strategies, just discuss, okay, where has it gone? Are they yeah. still relevant? Were we completely wrong? What are we seeing? What aren't we seeing? And so on. And then we've got some questions at the end. But um, if you do enjoy these episodes, let us know. Um, you know, uh, Reach out to us on social or whatever it is that you want to do, but do let us know because um, I guess we just want to wanna test it, see how you guys like it. So um, yeah, definitely reach out. All right, Liv, you want to kick us off? What was the first must-have marketing strategy that we kind of said back in, I think it was March or something like that? Well, we said TikTok was going to be huge. Um, And one thing we covered is how we would go viral on TikTok or how someone can go viral on TikTok. Yeah. Um, We focused heavily last time, I guess, on like going in with an action plan in terms of what you're going to do, like whether you're going to educate, you're going to inspire and kind of sitting down and figuring out that first, um, which I still think is quite relevant now. Yeah, I think with TikTok, the tactics haven't changed too much. You know, yeah. that's the thing that I look at is I think TikTok tactically, you still got to be, you know, frequency still huge. I think you've got to kind of create content that cuts through. Um, it's got to be, you've got to go in with a plan. So are you trying to entertain? Are you trying to educate? Are you trying to inspire? I think, you know, tactically, everybody knows what TikTok's about. It's an app that likes to keep people in the app um, and it will reward you if, um, you know, if, you're, if people are enjoying your content. So the more views you get in the early period of your video going live, the more rewarded they, they kind of, the more reward they give you, which is pushing it to more people. So we kind of understand the notion of TikTok, which is to keep people in app. I think personally like what has changed Mm. dramatically just with what we're seeing you know even with um what we're doing with pivotal and and the pivots that we've made but i guess some of the things that we're seeing is more the strategic moves by tiktok which is really really interesting so yeah um there's been articles and rumors that tiktok has been going around and, and buying warehouses um so without them making any announcements, I think you can kind of put two and two together and you can kind of say, mm-hmm. well, potentially they're going after Amazon. And Walmart. And Walmart. Sneaky little devils. Yeah, I, I think I think naturally when you marry that with TikTok shop, so for those of you who don't know what TikTok shop is, it's the ability to buy an e-commerce product literally from one click on, in the app. And they only, they've only currently rolled it out in Southeast Asia. Is that correct? And then they're gonna they're gonna launch it. I think America it's in the next. US and the UK as well. Oh, okay. So they've already launched it there. So yeah. it's not here in Australia yet, but TikTok going out and buying warehouses. 
um, or you know whatever they're doing, leasing and buying and, and so on, um, and then you merge that with TikTok shop, I think you can kind of put two and two together and say they're taking on Amazon, the ability for you to potentially sell a product from one click from TikTok, from the content you're producing. And then more importantly, the warehousing, I think it could be like a 3PL move. So, you know, they distribute the product for you. So um, I know with Amazon, the way it works is Amazon will hold your product. And when you purchase on their site, they will actually distribute the product and send it to the, 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 um, you know, they'll send it to the customer. So, you know, potentially what TikTok are trying to do is, you know, take on Amazon, you can purchase your product through TikTok, one click, and then they'll also distribute that that um, product to the customer for you, which is just huge. Like in the such grand scheme of it. Such a bold move and like such an expensive move as well, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, the I think, you know, TikTok's almost double, I'm pretty sure. Like that's what the, some of the um, stats and graphs that I've been looking at in terms of um, the amount of time that people spend in the app Wait, so since the since the live stream with the shop functionality has no been no I, I just in general so oh, like people yeah. are spending twice as much time in tiktok than, yeah, than yeah. say any other app so you know if we talk about like average hours yeah um and i think i mean obviously they're they're, they're going you know extremely hard because they are the prominent platform at the moment yeah um but yeah strategically there's that there's also rumors that tiktok are launching their own podcast hosting platform so similar to the um, you know, when we talk about, you know, similar to the commerce side of it, one click and you can kind of go huge one click, you can kind of get through to, um, you know, the podcast and listen, I'm not sure whether they host it or not, or whether it goes through to a different platform. I'm not sure, but, um, there is rumors that that's what they're kind of getting into. So I think we'll see how that plays out, but how does that, have you seen the storefronts for the live stream? Like, how does that work? No, Just so um, I mean, over in China, that's you're talking about that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So over in China, we've been doing some research, but the way TikToks are used in China as it relates to TikTok Shop is they they do a lot of live streams, and it's very similar to like infomercials. So you can kind of like imagine they are live on TikTok, maybe sitting at a desk talking about the product and selling the product. They're they're really direct over there, but yeah. um, that's kind of how it's used over there. I don't know if we will kind of accept that in the western world like i don't we're not as like china can, and and that, that kind of culture can be very sell 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 direct 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 yeah. i think we've kind of moved away from that but i do it'd be interesting to see how it kind of comes about if that makes sense more like what does the storefront look like like is it just like a tap like are you purchasing it directly through tiktok yeah it's like a, it a button pops up you click the button and it'll take you through to apple pay or whatever it is oh, and then it's literally just yeah. like it's It'll be in-app and then it'll be yeah. click, purchase, So it's done. all done in. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And then, and then that's probably where TikTok come in. If they have the warehousing similar to like 3PL or Amazon, they'll distribute your product straight away, shipping and, and so on. So I think like it's – if you just think about strategically what's going on and, and what they're trying to do is – and I think it's what a lot of these, you know, social media companies uh, have been trying to do is mm. remove friction. Yeah. right so so uh, make it a more seamless product everything can be done in app and and obviously that makes a lot of sense for tiktok is tiktok want everything to be done in app because really their goal is to keep you in there they know if they keep you in there there'll be more advertising revenue in there'll be more usage more data um and that just creates a more valuable platform for them yeah 100 percent. it's such a good um addition to their revenue stream as well doing this it'll be huge 100 percent. so i think that's the interesting thing for me is is we were probably correct in what we were saying around tiktok you know i think it's very much entertainment first you know i think if you look at what's different to other platforms this one is less network orientated and it's more content orientated so yeah you have to entertain people um and i really like this idea of mindshare yeah like like really what brands should be trying to do across all the platforms that they're on is capture mindshare. So how much of the customer's mind can you capture? So how much, how, you know, can you get in front of them and how, how, you know, like for how long and how frequent can you get in front of them? That's such a good way of looking at it. I've never thought of it that way. It's very true. Yeah. So I think of it as in mindshare, like that's kind of what I'm thinking is the more someone watches your content, the more they're going to trust you. 
Yeah, 100%. Um, and so if they're going to trust you, then they're probably going to buy your products. Um, and so yeah. that's why I think TikTok have recognized that as well. And and then if they remove the friction, then they can obviously, you know, purchase in-app and, and so on, which when you think yeah. about it, you think if that, if that comes, you know, um, it, it, like just imagine... I mean, yeah. the, just imagine what's possible for companies, you know, mm. and for brands and especially brands that are willing to invest early, the brands that are really willing to get after it. And if you are a small business, I think the biggest thing to note here is a lot of the big legacy companies are actually going to be the last to move. They're the ones who struggle to create content. So if you're a small business and you've got the agility um, and maybe you don't have that legacy brand, uh, you do have, you know, the advantage at the moment. Yeah, 100%. One thing that we didn't touch on initially for TikTok, which I didn't really think too much about, is how Gen Zs are now using it as their number one search engine platform as well, which I think is going to be huge with like keywords and hashtags as well. So I think a lot of businesses need to heavily focus on that now as well to be top of. Do you want to give an example of what you mean by that? Yeah, so initially, like, Google has always been the largest search engine um, for searching anything, recipes. So um, if you're searching, like, how to cook a spaghetti bolognese on Google, that would yeah. be kind of, you know, if you think about um, maybe our parents and even our, our demographic, we would always turn to, to Google. But when you talk about those the younger generation, so... Yeah, so initially it was Google, then it um, moved more to YouTube. So YouTube is a huge huge search engine and it still is i think it's up there with number one um and now tiktok is now taking the lead for all gen z so the gen z's say like how to braid my hair they're not going on google anymore they're not going on um, youtube anymore they're going straight to tiktok which i find really really interesting yeah so i think keyword targeting hashtag targeting is going to be super super critical in 2023 because i think it's only going to advance even stronger yeah i think there's there's some pretty cool stuff of what you can do there from a content perspective as well so yeah you know, if you if maybe potentially some of your content can be towards that key searching, you know, in terms of um, as an example for us, it might be like how to, you know, three things you need for your next podcast or, or something like that. And yeah. all of a sudden it's this kind of real generic thing or piece of content that if it does go viral, it will then when somebody searches that, you know, it, it's the first to pop up. And, and so, like, I think it could even just be a small corner of the content strategy that say yeah. a company may have searchable questions mm. yeah 100 percent. um i think yeah i mean i think uh, one thing i did want to touch on is um tiktok for business so advertising you know it's something yeah. that we've been looking at and and definitely playing around with um, yeah. what are you noticing uh, and you, you've obviously been the one who's been looking after the ad account but i've been mm. kind of researching in the background what's your What's your kind of thoughts on, on the advertising front from a TikTok perspective? Yeah. Well, cost per 1,000 impressions for TikTok sits around somewhere around $6 compared to um, Meta Facebook, which is like twelve sixty five or around that. So it's almost halved. But they're saying in the next few years, obviously TikTok's going to get a lot more competitive with their ads and that price is eventually going to skyrocket. So if you aren't currently doing ads, like I think we're spending like two cents a click at the moment, which is super, super low. Like even when I started the ads, I did it and I like looked at my computer. I'm like, is this fucking legit? Oh, this is cheap as chips. Like we're in like the gold mine. We're pretty much like where YouTube ads, where Google ads were like when they first started. And everyone that was too late to the boat was like, fuck, I just missed it. Yeah, definitely. TikTok, I think the interesting thing is like, how does, you look at, I mean, there's like a trilogy there in a sense, right? You, if the podcasting platform is true, you look at TikTok shop and then you look at the reward you're getting on say from an advertising and, and an ads perspective on TikTok, I think it's it's just very interesting and I think we're in a golden age there and a lot of people will be slow to move um, yeah. and, and don't fall into the trap of thinking that you're too late. Because 100%. Oh, we're right still now early. is the perfect time. Yeah, like we're still very, started, very early. Start now. I speak to um I was speaking to a few agencies as well and just talking about their services. This was before we started doing ads in house just to get a grasp of what they were doing didn't even offer TikTok ads. So it shows that even if the agency's working with, with some of the biggest companies in Australia aren't doing it, you're early. Yeah, 
hundred percent. I think what we're seeing is is and and I think con- TikTok has like recognized this is the two worlds of content and commerce are currently colliding. Yeah. You know, so that's really what our belief is. Is you know, you, it already has been happening, but I think we're kind of getting to this pinnacle where um, people, you know, brands are starting to realize that if you can create entertaining content and capture the attention of your customers. Um, you basically have built-in distribution and yep. it's creative first. So if you look at TikTok, TikTok, you, you can't run ads that you used to run on Facebook, say three years ago or two years ago, or even maybe now on TikTok, because what performs well on TikTok is really good creative and really good content. Yeah. And so if you're going to run ads on TikTok, you probably have to have really good creative if you want to be good at it. 100%. And I think that's where a lot of um these platforms are going but more importantly tiktok's leading the way there so i think what we're seeing and and you can kind of even relate this back to say kim kardashian logan paul mr beast Mm. you know mr beast had one of the um you know mr beast had one of the most successful burger launches in history logan paul um with prime is you know a multi-million dollar company hundreds of millions um kim kardashian Schemes. company just got valued at over i think it's three billion yeah hectic. um which is which is pretty crazy so you know i think i think we're seeing what happens when you bring it in and you have you know distribution built into your company yeah um, and that's done through media and i think tiktok have recognized that and they're trying to really drive the ship there so um yeah i mean that's kind of where we're at with tiktok you know i think it's it's one of those things that has evolved we never knew all of this stuff was going to happen but yeah that's what really your job is as a marketer is to understand what your strategy is and yeah. then more importantly understand where that you know the the platforms that, that distribution actually happens on and like one thing to like preface as well is it's not too late to jump on tiktok if you're not already on it because a lot of these other um more competitors um instagram um for instance um and mark zuckerberg recently come out about facebook so with their news feed now it's um they're going to heavily integrate ai starting next year um and i guess they're going to give more micro people more micro influencers um because they've seen how it's been so successful t- for tiktok um that opportunity so it's never too late to get on there yeah it's it's really interesting so if i look at my I just want to look. I had something pop up on my feed before on TikTok and it said get more leads through TikTok. And so just like you can buy a product on TikTok, they have actually now allowed... It's not available in Australia because I tried to get it. Is it um, like a lead gen form? It's a lead gen. Oh, so it's a okay. one-click lead gen yeah. form, I would assume, but I've I seen it pop up on my feed. Yeah, um, you know, it's a one-click lead gen form. If I come over here and we go to like... Their ad backend is like so simplistic as well. Yeah, it's, to ad, it's crazy what's <laughs> happening. So yeah, okay, business account, generate leads through videos. Um, and yeah. it says, generate leads through videos with the new business account lead generation via video anchor feature, generate leads through organic videos and paid ads, attract more uh, interested customers while your TikTok videos go viral. Now available with the latest version of TikTok. And then I click into it and it says not available in Australia. So of course, really sucks, of course, (laughs) but it'll come. So understanding this is like, even if you just think about, say, building your email list, like building an email list is one of the most Most important things in your business. Now, previously, what you had to do is you had to get someone from a platform onto your website. They had to fill in a form and then you could add them, you know, and you could do it through Facebook and Instagram, but it wasn't a content first business yeah. right it was a it was a creative first you know or creative to suit the ad not yeah. creative and then we put something on the back end i think that's a real that's the epitome of what's actually started to change yeah. you know is it's entertainment first capture the attention first get really good at that and now on tiktok one click and you might be able to have that person on your email list from your video going viral which we've had videos go 1.5 million yeah you know and and uh, 20,000 comments so Okay, you know, imagine imagine some of the numbers you might be able to do when when converting you know, those converting those across. So yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, look, TikTok, tick. I think we were pretty close with what we said, um, but it's obviously evolved quite a lot since then. So that's that's really cool. Um, yeah. But you know, again, we're really big bullish on it, and we think that you know, if you're not on it or you haven't started, you probably need to get across there and 
and start to think about your company and the media it creates. And little plug, Pivotal Conversations. We think <laughs> podcasts are the most authentic way for brands to enter yeah. the space. You know, um, influencers and individuals can probably get away with dancing and, and doing all these kind of weird things. N- not us, not me anyway. I'm a you horrible know, dancer. Um, but podcasting <laughs> is a really authentic way for brands to do it. So yeah. um, little plug, little shameless plug there. Um, okay, so number two, Liv, what, what, what was the second major point that we had? Um, so the hidden secret to creating memorable content. Which was content first content. content so so yeah. what we really meant by that was create content for the sake of content. Almost look at it like a product is yeah. your content should fulfill a need um, and it should be there for content sake. You shouldn't be trying to sell anything with your content. Yeah, one, one thing that's like that's super obvious here is like say for instance you're watching like the kardashians or like you're watching a tv show imagine if every single episode they like kim for instance held up her skims t-shirt and said look at my skims t-shirt it's like it's not gonna sell so that's kind of it kind of feeds into that in a sense as well like look at the biggest players and what they're doing it's content first a majority of purchases happen through association so that's one of the most pivotal things to understand about brand brand is this thing that you can't really quantify like it's really hard to quantify it's it's almost this esoteric thing that is really really valuable to a business but if you kind of layer a go a layer deep with that you're understanding that your brand is really how many people purchase your products through association and so if you think about you know pre in traditionally you had companies that were really good at building and selling products um, and then you had the creator economy come through and um, influencers and, and, you know, people on social media became really good at generating attention um, and, and generating traffic. Those two worlds are colliding now. And so brands who are able to generate traffic and attention naturally will see a reward on the back of that, on the back of that yeah. through p- products being purchased. Uh, mm. And so it's it's purchased through association you don't need to be always selling more importantly you need to get that person's trust and social media has uh decentralized that in a sense right it it is kind of um dispersed that so that you know anyone can do it right and so now the playing field is very even what's interesting is seeing influencers like and and you know people that have started with content such as you know kimmy k logan paul mr beast do really really well Um, at launching businesses now it's like checkmate to the other side which is traditional businesses you know they're the ones who struggle to come in and create content so yeah we're kind of it's it's this is the battle of the next 10 years in my opinion this is the revolution is how do the traditional companies pivot and the ones that do early i think will probably still be successful um because advertising has changed you know and that's kind of what we just talked Mm. about um, and then you've got the influencers that are building so much attention that they yeah. really can start any business and it, and it will be successful. So um, it's really interesting. So I think content for ton- content's sake is really just about entertainment. Um, and in the modern age, if you think about it, entertainment is becoming such a big thing. It is. I think it needs to be front of mind always whenever you're doing anything because that's what helps build your relationship with your customers as well. If you're thinking about them first, what's gonna make them happy? What's gonna put a smile on their face? What's whatever your goal or intent is with them. Um, if you're thinking about that first, eventually that will transition, whether that's a sale, whether that's a lead. Yeah. And you still have your traditional mo- you know, methods there of, of yeah. almost the funnel in a sense, right? So a lot of your content is just your top of funnel. Um, it allows you to build, build brand really quickly because you can, yeah you know, like output, you know, uh, you think about someone like Alex Hormozy, um, how quickly he's been able to build his brand from say someone who was really well known in the fitness industry to now someone who's known by every single person on the internet. Yeah. And he puts it down to content output. Yeah. Right. So here's this thing is like, okay, I'm doing a hundred pieces of content per month. Now I want to get hundred a day. Now I want to get 150. Right. So that's, that's basically his, method in a sense right so i think that's an example of saying well if you can be entertaining and then more important you can recognize what people who are interested in potentially what you can talk about uh and then you can increase output while remaining effective that can be really great for brand building that's a really good point in terms of output like something that we focus on is if we are filming something that is definitely long form how can we cut that up and get more out of it 
Yeah, so as an example, just for Pivotal at, at the moment, so um, we literally just built out our marketing strategy on the whiteboard the other day. Um, and really what we did is we go, what are the long form pieces of content that we have and what's the short form? And we tried to create these long form pieces of content and, and they were kind of like our big core pillars. Yeah. And then we actually broke that down and we said, how do we turn that into short form? So as an example, we have a podcast that we're going to put on our website once a month that'll get broken down into eight snippets. We're going to get two articles written a month. We're going to then turn those into carousel posts for LinkedIn and, yeah. and Instagram. Um, and then we have a few other, you know, um, videos that we create, which will be long form into short form and, and so yeah. on. And, and I think we ended up with about 47 bits of content a month on yeah. a reasonable, a really reasonable budget. budget. So, yeah. so it's about how creative can you be around that content? And more importantly, the content itself should be there to entertain uh, and, and more importantly, you know, educate as well. So if I you're wanting to, depending yeah. on how you want to position. Yeah, I think that will be huge for a lot of companies. Guys, if you're loving this episode, make sure to take a screenshot, give us a tag or even take a photo if you're watching it. Help spread the love. It helps us out dramatically. Guys, I just want to say a massive shout out to our major sponsors, BizCover. We are getting some amazing guests on right now. We're traveling. We want to continue to travel and we want to continue to grow the podcast. And the reality is we can't do that without sponsors powering the podcast. And right now we have BizCover on. They're an amazing company uh, and they're powering the podcast. So we want to support them. But more importantly, business insurance. It's something that I had no idea I had to have in the early days. And I'm very lucky that I had someone tell me, you actually need to go get insured because things like professional indemnity insurance and public liability insurance, you just never know when you're gonna need those. Uh, and more importantly, it's really costly if something goes wrong or if you get sued or something of that nature and you don't have insurance uh, and, and that's what it protects you from. And you never know, one day it could save your business from going under or putting your business back in a time where you are growing in and you are making an impact. Uh, so BizCover, the link is in the show notes. Um, they will, you know, the, the, the great thing about it is there's no um, paperwork in, involved and you can get insured in less than 10 minutes. So the link is in the show notes, BizCover, go check them out, get yourself a good deal. So the next one, Liv, what, what did we have? Um, so how to own your customer's attention. Cool. And this was like cut through content. So, um, or just before we go through, so content for content's sake, tick. I think we were pretty good there in terms of, still super relevant, still super relevant. Um, you know, I think trying to have a media arm in your business is, is really important. Um, cool. So cut through content. So how to own your customer's attention is kind of the, the label that we had for it. Um, this, I would say, hasn't changed much either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we won't I'm spend too much time on this. I think. Here, but it kind of brings, it kind of goes back to our point at the start that you really need to find your niche. And I think that's going to be super, super critical for so many brands and companies moving forward mm-hmm. is are you, is your tone going to be more funny? Are you going to be more motivational and get really, really clear on that before you start putting out any type of content? Because often what I'm seeing is a lot of people just putting out content for content's sake. um, And there's no clear messaging there and it kind of doesn't make sense. So I think um, as a brand or a company, you really, really need to get clear on that. So just, just for this, uh, number three was cut through content. Number four was tone of voice. Um, and so I think we can kind of bundle those two together, together. cuz when I think yeah. about this now like I think about some things that you know some conversations that I've been lucky to have lucky enough to have with say some marketers such as Adam Ferrier we look at you know Mark Ritson as an example yeah. um, and we kind of come back to these really traditional marketing principles um, and so I like the idea of differentiation and um, positioning you know so when we talk about cut through content we're talking about how are you differentiating yeah. right so um your content needs to be differentiated because that's what's going to help it cut through it, it, you know everybody's trying to create content so what is it that makes your content different yeah right so that's a really really important one um you know is it is it really really educational is it really really entertaining like trying to think about how you differentiate and how you can create you know, uh, differentiated content to make it cut through is kind of a really key point. And then the other one is positioning, right? So positioning is an interesting one. We, we, we've we talked about our um, three circles that we use for podcasts and podcasters yeah. to kind of understand um, 
how what kind of content they should create and the idea being that how are you positioning and i think this relates to the tone of voice so um as an example with startup diaries one of the things i really try to do is not position as an expert but more importantly position as a part of my community you know when i sit down there and i interview people i really am curious and trying to learn from them so i try to position as a part of my community because i really am you know I'm, i'm very early on in in what we're doing and and really trying to learn from people in business so the idea that you can either you can change your tone or voice and and kind of reposition how or more importantly position your brand when you're creating content is a really cool strategy yeah i totally agree um what do you what's your what's your thoughts on say those two things when it tastes you know like you're obviously heavily on the creative side and doing a lot of output as it relates to marketing with some of our clients but also you know our own content like what are you seeing as it relates to say content that is working and is cutting through and how has that changed because six months is a long time in content land right so what are you seeing and more importantly like um what about from a positioning and say tone of voice perspective as well yeah i think one thing that um we're seeing heavily is finding the niche or finding your niche um and it brings it back to my initial point like and this is what we speak about as well on the podcast is like when someone's coming back to watch the podcast so for instance startup diaries what experience are they getting and are they getting that experience over and over again and that's something that i'm especially seeing in the content side of the world is if you have a certain if you're following a certain company a certain brand a certain person every time you go back to that person's profile are you getting that same experience because people love that familiar I can't even say the word. Familiarity. Thank you. (laughs) I think that's the one. Um, People want to feel that sense of I'm used to this and it's not kind of, it's not moving away from what we all like or enjoy. Um, So I think if you are, if you are looking um, at tone um, or if you're looking on how to build attention, I think you need to get really, really clear on brand first and then move into content second. Yep. Totally agree. Okay, so then collaborations was the last one. This is an interesting one. I don't know if I'm 100% on this. Yeah. I feel like collaborations were kicking off at the start. They were huge at the beginning and then they've faded a little bit. It's all the micro now. I'm telling you. It's like TikTok has given everyone an opportunity to blow up. Like, it's just bizarre. I look at like Emily Mariko on TikTok who had like a hundred followers and she made like a salmon bowl with rice and like mayo and this soy and like it got like 30 million views and she's huge now. She's got 17 million followers. Yeah, so this is what I find interesting. Collaborations at the beginning, we were using them personally and they were blowing up our following on Instagram. It was crushing. And then we started to see a massive decline on that. Yeah. And I think personally, my belief is that followers on Instagram or more importantly on social media mean fuck all anymore. Like it I means totally Jack. Agree. I think what's more important is the consistency in the content you create. Like yeah. we have a hundred thousand followers on TikTok now, but we can still get a video that gets 1600 views. Yeah. So it's not about network and followers anymore. Although yes, it does play a small part and it does help you. It's more importantly, can you entertain? Yeah. Right. Like, totally like how consistently can you entertain so that you get rewarded by this platform? Um, and the, the more that you can do that, the, the you know, I guess the, the, the more you get rewarded and more importantly, the more attention you'll capture, which gives you a greater, you know, a greater um, ability to, to sell your product. And if you look at like um, Inspired Unemployed, you know, what they've been able to do with their beer that they've released, um, on the back of this that's an example of they are <laughs> they are relentlessly consistent and hilarious in the content yeah. that they create and that is you know uh that's meaning that you know that they're, they're having a really successful business you know yeah. whether that's through collaborations whether it's through selling their beer you know sushi mango is another one relentlessly consistent being able to entertain they just released a wine you know like it, it does kind of i guess you know I think we are slowly moving away from it though. Like if it, even if we do look two years ago, like just the need for influencers or that collaboration with influencers, I think it is slowly being moved away from. Um, and people are definitely focusing on the experience now. Yeah, I mean, what, what we're seeing more of is less 
le there's less emphasis on influencers just having your product and being able to open it and all of a sudden that generates a ton of sales. 100%. To, to now more so you need to probably bring an influencer in who can create engaging content you yeah, know, well, and like, can give you creative. It's like UGC as well, like user-generated content. That's huge now. Like people are making thousands and thousands. So what's happening is brands are just selling, uh, giving product to um, photographers or videographers and they're actually filming or shooting these products and then posting them and then they're just going to reuse that content. So no longer handing out to influencers with big followings, they're actually handing it out to these photographers and these videographers that can actually capture really engaging high quality content for the brands to then reshare, which I think is super, super smart. Yeah, but do you, do you think, do you, like, what's your opinion on if you are going to use influencers, those influencers have to be, be able to create entertaining content to suit yeah. the platform. Like you can't just get away with like a quick story on Instagram anymore, f like wearing the product. It doesn't work. It doesn't translate. Like people's attention spams are so little now. And I think as well, like a lot of brands still have a heavy, heavy emphasis on micro ma macro influencers, but micro are like they're booming everywhere. Like you could get someone with 10,000 followers on TikTok versus 300,000 on Instagram that has just crazy, crazy engagement, like you're saying, because follower count doesn't matter. Majority of those people, those macro influencers probably have like 70%, 60% of bot influencers anyway. So yeah. it's redundant. And that's what I mean. So like it, that's why we think follower count's not as important anymore. What's really important is, is this person relevant? Are they creating engaging content? Yeah. You know, um, and, and more importantly, is that is that the association we want for our brand? Like, are they 100%. a good fit? You know, so can they create engaging content? Are they a great fit? You know, are they currently relevant? I think they're kind of the big questions as it relates to influencers and collaborations. So actually, we'll, let's put an X to that. Collaborations was good and it kind of dropped off. So um, we missed the, missed the mark on that one. But I think it, what's more important is the engaging and entertaining content that you create. So... It's interesting. Like I think it's I think it's good. I think um I think we're we're moving to a content first world and it, you know you've got to be able to create entertaining content and capture the minds of your customers. And I think as we get further through time, I think that's just going to become more and more relevant with say like TikTok creating all these great in-app experiences. Yeah. You know, it's not going to the website may not be a massive thing into the future to look for your product. You might be just purchasing directly off Instagram or I do or envision TikTok. that. I envision that websites will be redundant. I don't know why, but I do. Eventually, every app will just be, that will be a storefront for every single brand. Mm. I don't know, so maybe 2023 predictions uh -huh. <laughs> pending. <laughs> awesome. All right. So that's, that's your marketing revisited. So that's your trends. So we might even have to do a follow-up. Let us know if you enjoyed that and we potentially can do a 2023 version closer to the end of the year and and maybe make some predictions that honestly mean jack all but we'll have a crack at it <laughs> um but yeah let us know what you think and we had a few questions just that we want to finish off with with yeah. from some of from our audience that we put up on socials um so thanks to you guys for for doing that um so the first one is thoughts on margin and healthy um, mark for a business. Yeah, so this one was in relation to Paul Waddy. So if you yeah. haven't listened to this, he's an e-commerce expert, um, lovely guy, super smart. It's actually voted number two person in e-commerce. So that was a great episode. But I think the question was on the back of Paul mentioning he had a bit, bit of a system on margin. Um, it's 20-30. Yeah, I think it was the 50-30-20 rule. That's the one. So 50% spent on the product. 30% on OPEX and then 20 aiming for 20% profit margin. So, yeah, yeah I mean, look, it, it, I think it's a moving, a moving part. I come from service-based business. So like when I think about margin from that perspective, it's very similar in nature. So like one of the biggest indicators of a great business is their gross margin. So how much does it actually cost to produce the product? So whether that's e-commerce, whether you're selling coaching, whether you're selling consulting, whether you're an agency, whatever it is, um, I think the higher your gross margin, the better. So what Paul's saying with 50% is yes, that's probably your Minimum. starting point. But yeah. you know, some companies can get up to the 70% mark. So anyth anything between 50 and 70 is great. Obviously 70 being amazing, 
50 being still good, good. you're still within that range. Yeah. Um, and then if you think about like a SaaS company, so software as a service, some of those get up to 90%. So that's why they're such valuable companies. And, you know, I guess why that's important is what comes after the gross margin side of things is... The hires, uh, the investment. Well, yeah, it's your operational expenses. So it's what can we spend on marketing? Yeah. What can we spend on non-producing... Um, wages um you know potentially leases if it's something that you need to do whatever it is to kind of scale the company out now the the, the rule of thumb that you kind of hear on on the internet is whoever can spend the most on marketing wins now that doesn't mean that you just spend relentlessly it means that if i have you know if we've got two million dollar businesses and you know one has a gross margin of 70 um, percent and the other has a gross margin of 40 percent that means basically if, we, if both of them aim for a 20% margin, um, you're looking at you know, the difference between um, one company being able to spend, say, 40% on OPEX and marketing okay, compared yeah. to, say, maybe 10 to 20%. And so yeah. if both of those have the same effectiveness, Who's one company have... will always win. So there yeah. still is the effectiveness kind of side of things. But, mm. yeah, it's really interesting. I think um, that's probably my point of view on marketing is understand – sorry, on, on margin is understand your gross profit, um, you know, then from there understand, you know, so what does it cost you to produce? What do you, you know, if it's a service, it's wages, if it's out, not, uh, you know, if it's an e-com product, it's what it costs you to produce the product, you know, so shipping and, um, you know, getting the product made if you're selling whatever you're selling. Um, and then outside of that, it's then OPEX. So what are we spending on, um, you know, wages that don't produce you know, the service, um, what are we spending on, you know, anything to operate the company? What do we spend on marketing? Try to aim, you know, always aim for a target profit margin. And then just, it's execution. Yeah, so 50 is the golden number. Yeah, that's probably the minimum. Minimum. From a gross margin perspective. But how about companies or um, startups that start at mid 40 and work their way up to 50? Or is it like 50 strictly? I think 50. I would I would shoot for 50 strictly just because I think it's hard to... You don't want to have to claw back anything. You know, like if you can... The way I look at it is stress, stress, stress test your pricing yeah. by building brand. Like we've just talked a lot about content. So for me, it's like use your marketing spend to stress test your pricing, right? Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is aim to start with prices high try to build brand uh, and then test demand. And if demand's not there, you can start to work your way down. Yeah. Um, So stress, you know, always stress test your pricing because if you can get away with a high pricing model on your service um, and you can kind of stress test it that way and and you have demand there, you're going to be that business who's in a better position than say some of your competitors. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, then the second question was marketing in regards to ads and influencers and what channels to try first when launching a business. Maybe you can you can dive at that. Yeah, I think um, I think one thing that's important to note is if you are starting off, you don't need to be on every every single platform. Um, it can be super super overwhelming. I guess um, if you're creating content for TikTok and then you're creating different content for Instagram, you're creating different content for Facebook. What I see works really well is just choosing three platforms, two platforms, whatever it might be, and doing them really, really well. First, trying to do everything and um, doing them half-assed, if that makes sense. Um, So I think find out first who your target audience is going to be, and then from there, what platforms are probably going to draw them in the most, as you know, TikTok, Gen Z, Facebook, older demos. So what's that going to look like? Um, Who am I trying to target? Um, and then from there, work on start on a smaller amount uh, um, amount of social accounts, and then just work your way up as you build out your team. Like Kyle said, as your um, as you've got more money to spend on marketing. Yeah, hundred percent. I think for me, coming more from you know, I'm not really a marketer, I would say, but more more strategy side is like understand what you've got to spend on marketing. Yeah. Try to identify where your customers are. Um, and then really go all in on, say, maybe that one or two platforms where they are and, and try to get as much as much out as you can. And then the other side of it, I would say, is um, word of mouth, like, you know, cold calling, selling, like getting and speaking to your customers um, and, and having conversations because you do need that feedback, you know, like just going out and creating content 
from day one can be difficult. I would go out, I would you know, try to either send your product away to your customers for free, um, you know, uh, or, or you know, start pitching people, start talking about your ideas with companies um, and, and just see where they fall and, and then more importantly, see where those sticking points are and, and really try to learn about the market. And then you kind of add your, your marketing budget there stick to your guns, try to get as much output as you can on that budget and then increase the yep. budget and just get really good at being more efficient with that budget, if that makes sense, yeah. and, and getting the effectiveness. So and, it's what, and it's really similar to what we discussed before, but if you are invest, investing XYZ into, like to get a videographer in for an hour and you're shooting content with them, how can I chop and change up this content and get six different videos out of one long form part of a uh, bit of content? Especially if you're starting up and you are in a startup, budget is gonna be tight. Um, so I think thinking about that in a really critical way um, will be most important. Yeah, and just getting getting your customer's attention yeah. is always the first step. So don't you don't need to always push your product. Yeah. You know? So like just try to get as much attention as you can uh, on your company and then you know use that feedback loop to then you know, bring some product oriented stuff in into the business. Yeah. Um, and then the final question was any books, apps to help streamline your business? Yeah, I mean, we've just gone through this literally with mm. Pivotal. We've had, um, we use monday.com. Um, I think monday. it's one of the best apps I've ever used, like yeah. easily. We just had our whole, literally <laughs> like a lit our whole customer journey automated. Yeah, so we initially used it as like, just like a task orientated platform just to tick off, like essentially just think of like an online diary. And then we've shifted away from that and that's pretty much gonna be like our whole sales process will be through there. Um, all of our client work will be on there. Um, so it will be managed and um, distributed on one platform. Yeah, and like, so so I think, I think the biggest thing is, is when you're using some of these apps, you know, potentially, I, I think if we just use monday.com, we weren't using it correctly because we, yeah. we kind of, well, we, we, we definitely lent into it and invested into it and that kind of gave us a better outcome. But we've, we, what, what really helped us is mapping our customer journey from yeah. start to finish. So from the second they become a lead, how does that lead turn into a sale? What is all the touch points, all the media, all the calls, all the whatever it is. that's sent to that person in between and then what's all the things that need to be done so what are the emails that need to be sent what are the documents all of this stuff and you can literally have triggers the whole way through and then more importantly for us it was also in service delivery so we've had all that mapped out yeah we've built a customer journey it's all been you know a lot of the admin side of it has been automated and we've basically wiped out about 70 to 80 percent of our admin yeah. you know like um including proposals invoices and so on so when you go into these apps, I think if you do want to streamline your company or your processes, the number one thing you need to do is understand the customer journey yeah. and you need to add your strategy to that. It can't just be, you need to, there needs to be um, intention Between with every touch point yeah, 100%. and you need to think about it, you know, pretty deeply and then you yeah. build your customer journey. And then more importantly, you need to have data. Yeah. One of the biggest things I've learned over the last two years is the having data in your business and being a data-driven business for each touch point helps you so much because you know where to look yeah. um, and creating that customer journey. If you think about like a funnel, at every point of the funnel or more importantly, the, the, the lead generation journey, you want to understand uh, at what point are we converting. So as I said, we have a lead form and that lead form from the website to the lead form converts at 50%. And then out of that 50%, you know, um, you know uh, if we just use the 100% as the marker, 50% fill out the lead form, 20% book a sales call, and 10%, you know, end up, um, you know, you purchasing. Yeah. Right? So then 10% out of the 100 of purchase. But what's most important is, you know, the, the converting each element of that journey into a ratio based on the previous one. So instead of it being you know, 100 to 50 to say 20, we want to go, okay, well, 20 is only 40% of 50, right? And then 10 might be 50% of um, 20, okay? So, so understanding that dynamic is, okay, well, one's 30%, one's 50%. So we're converting 50% here. That's probably good enough, but we're only converting 30% here. So that's probably where we need to focus for the next quarter yeah, so why aren't and they? really improve that part of the customer journey. And if you do one of those things yeah. every quarter, 
eventually you have an absolute machine of a business. So and that's it, that's one thing we're going to start looking at and really trying to dive yeah. into. And it's um, like you're saying as well, like it will, it, will ha- it will need constant refinement as well. Yeah, exactly. As, and your, so, as your customer goes through that journey. And we won't have that unless we have that data. So I think that's one yeah. really, really big one. Yeah, 100%. What else are we loving? Monday. Oh, to be honest, we've kind of just shifted to Monday now. We were on Monday, but I think we're doing it properly. Like I think everything's look, on there. Monday, Clavio is something we're looking at from yeah. an email perspective. Oh, how about books? The, they mentioned books. I'm not a reader. I don't read. We'll never <laughs> read. Yeah, I, I'm going to be honest. I haven't reader. been reading that much either yeah. lately. I've just been really busy doing. So, What's that book that you recommended to the Elite 11 boys? And you were like, this is great. Not sure. It's about the future. Oh, Price of Tomorrow, but that doesn't really have anything to do with business. It's a good book. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, it's a good book. Um, Price of Tomorrow, Jeff Booth, if you want to understand the future, potentially. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, look, uh, uh, books, books, books. What's your favourite book of all time? Probably Price of Tomorrow, Jeff Booth. Well, there you go, people. That's the book you need to go get. Yeah, Yeah, but it's, it's, I mean, it will help you long. Like if you want to create a plan for the next 20 years for your business, it might help. But outside of that, if you're looking for more tactical, strategical, you know, short-term stuff. um, Yeah, I'm not sure on books. I haven't really read any lately that have helped too much. Like I've I've kind of, oh, actually, no, that's not true. That's not true. E-Myth, I've read that a few times, revisiting that in my, in it because we've got a new startup has really helped from an operational, really kind of understanding what our business model is. So What's it called? Just E-Myth? Yeah, E-Myth. Um, it's called, yeah, I'd probably say that's that's the one for now. If you're a startup and you want to read a book that's going to help you understand your business model, understand your strategy, yep. um, that's a really good one. Amazing. All right, rock and roll. Rock and roll. Done internal episode <laughs> let us know what you reckon are we stiffs should we never come on again i think so and do this should i just stick to interviewing guests <laughs> um yeah let us know let us know what you think reach out on social um we we love you guys had a bit of fun i think we, we might we'll, we'll see if we revisit this yeah sounds good but yeah guys thank you so much for your support 2023 is almost over um 2022 <laughs> is almost over <laughs> Sorry, um, it's been a huge year for us. We're really, really thankful. Um, and honestly, we, we, we want to take Startup Diaries to the next level next year, yeah. Pivotal Conversations to the next level, and your support has just helped us do what we love to do. And more importantly, we couldn't do without you guys. So 100%. Um, keep supporting, keep leaving reviews, keep sharing our content, and, and we love you. We love you. Thanks, guys. Yeah, we'll go, man.